Hey, sexy people. Uh, Sandra Doherty here, and I'm talking to you about AdamandEve.com. They are sponsoring this week's episode. We have a promo code. It is SexNerd, and it is especially for you and for me. And if you go there and type it in, you get free shipping. You get 50% off almost anything in that store. It's a big store, guys. Big store. Uh, you get three free DVDs. Mm, enjoy that. And a free gift. What? That's a lot of stuff for promo code SexNerd at AdamandEve.com. I am very familiar with this website. Are you? Are you? Um, there's a lot of fun stuff, lots of stuff to explore, and I'm I'm always encouraging you guys that if you have curiosity about about something, you know, there's often toys that can help you explore that um, in almost any category of thing that you can even think of. So go to adamandeve.com, figure it out, get some lube. Do you need batteries? They have those too. They have batteries. They have lingerie. You know, if you need to like one up that. You know, like I have a giant. A thing full of lingerie at my house that I do not wear because most of it is silly. Um, but they have way hotter stuff at adamandeve.com. Just FYI. So um, I should probably get, hmm, I should probably get some lingerie there. Hmm, that's a really good idea. And I can use my promo code, which is sexnerd. Huh. Adamandeve.com. You guys rock. Please help support the show. Uh, give them a shout out with that promo code, um, and you get that free shipping. You get thirty percent off almost anything in the store. You get the DVDs, and you get the free gift. It's crazy. It's crazy sauce. Mm. Okay, onward and upward to the Tantra episode. Very exciting. Oh my god, Barbara Corellis is my favorite. Um, she's just hardcore, street smart, Tantra guru person. Like, just um, she's not like off in the clouds. Like, she is present. She's knowledgeable, and it's just all the things that. Oh, it was such a good conversation with her. I just cannot wait for you to hear it. Um, before. We get into it though. Uh, I will be in San Francisco at the end of October. Uh, on October 23rd, I'm teaching at Good Vibes uh, Strap On 101. Um, I love the fact that I get to teach a whole class just about strap ons. This is going to be so great. Mm. It's $20 online at goodvibes.com and $25 at the door. So I highly recommend you just go online and grab tickets. And then. I'm still in San Francisco for the 27th, which is a Sunday night, and we'll be teaching Boning 101, which I just taught in D.C. to a packed crowd. They loved it. Um, there was lots of high-fiving after, and people were just, it was just the best class. We all had great fun, and it was just all the boning information about communication and how to be awesome in the sack, positions, um, oral sex skills. It was just all over the map. It was just like, it was a primer. It was a primer for all the sex. Okay. Enough about that. I just, I'm just in love with that class. Okay, so please come visit me at Good Vibes in San Francisco at the end of this month and enjoy the Tantra episode. Okay, sex nerd out. Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Sex Nerd Sandra podcast. Whoa, what are these kids doing in here? Hey, if you're under 18, go ask your mom. Now that we're alone, let's start the show. Guys, we are about to... Hello. Hi. I'm all jumping the gun. Um, sex nerds. T today we are going to discuss a topic that is near and dear to my heart as a fascinating subject that I haven't quite wrapped my head around and I'm hoping to get some inspiration and knowledge and understanding from Barbara Corellis. Hi, Barbara Corellis. We're going to talk about Tantra. You want to talk about Tantra? Let's talk about Tantra. You are the author of the book Urban Tantra, which is one of my favorite sex books on my shelf. Thank you. That's very nice. Thank you. 
You're welcome. It's it's legit. No, of all mm-hmm. the Tantra books in all the world. I like that one. Don't tell the others. Okay, I won't. I won't. Um, can you um, tell listeners just a little bit about what you do? I know you've written several books and you teach all over the world, etc. I teach workshops around the world. I write books. I do coaching uh, on Skype and phone. And I'm passionate about helping people realize that whatever body they're in and whatever they think their limitation is, that ecstatic experiences are possible for them. I'm a, I'm a sexual expansionist. Ooh. I believe that a whole lot more things in the world could be considered erotic or sexual or orgasmic. And I, I like that totality of possibilities of pleasure. What's your background and how did you get into this all that I was uh, a Broadway theater person I was went into the theater and I was 14 years old by the time I was 20 I was working on Broadway Mm -hmm. and I never thought I would do anything else in my entire life I was blissfully happy there until the AIDS crisis oh god yeah and obviously because I was in the theater I knew a disproportionately large number of gay men and suddenly everybody was sick dying or dead and it was it every everybody who lives through this has the same story some weeks you lost up to four people it was crazy it was awful and I went to the New York Healing Circle to look for some support it was an AIDS support group Mm -hmm. and I met Annie Sprinkle and Joseph Kramer Annie Sprinkle of course uh, the former porn star who was probably on your show just recently I I have not met her yet. She is on my list of people I've oh, never you met. you must. You must, you must, you must. Yes, she's in San Francisco. Next trip there. Okay. Um, uh, Annie and Joseph Kramer, who founded the Body Electric School. And we realized we shared a common question, which was, what are we going to do about sex? Sex had meant liberation. For the 10 or 11 years after Stonewall and before AIDS, it was sex equals liberation. And... When we got into the AIDS era and when it was shown that AIDS was, in fact, sexually transmitted, of course, as we all know, it became sex equals death. Mm -hmm. So what were we going to do about sex? Uh, We wanted a a way to have sex that was, first of all, safe. Mm -hmm. Second of all, as ecstatic as it had been Mm -hmm. in the dance clubs, all-night raves, on drugs. And we wanted something to soothe our battered spiritual souls. Wait a minute. I'm just backing up. Sex and wait, drug-fueled all-night dance raves. Is this the 70s? What are you referencing right now? Yeah, the 70s. Okay, because that's into, not... Into the 80s. Into the 80s. That sounds like a time that... I, I always think of 1969, Summer of Love. But are you telling me that if I do have a time machine, I should maybe go a little bit later? Yeah, definitely go later. Definitely go later. Um, for that moment in my life <laughs> when I can push the button and go back in time, do I want to go like even like a year for sex fueled, um, uh, drug crazed dance nights? Seventy eight, I seem to recall, was awfully good. Somewhere in there. Okay, what city? New York, uh, the okay. Saint. Uh, but that goes into the eighties as well. The Saint, which was the old Fillmore East which became the saint, it had an entire planetarium in the ceiling. Stop and it. And they would simulate dawn at 8 a.m. <laughs> oh, that's cool. And, of course, Studio 54. Cool. And then there's that one, of yeah. course. Yeah. 
ah, okay. So and then fast forward, AIDS crisis, and you're looking for a way to still find sexuality as something that not equaling death. Exactly. That was the whole point. So Joseph, who was already a massage therapist, he started exploring Taoist sexuality, and Annie and I started exploring Tantra. That's when it started. Uh-huh. And our c- careers as sex educators started then, too, because the minute we learned something that we thought would work or was fun or was effective, we would run back to the healing circle or some other group of friends and go, here, try this. Isn't this wonderful? Isn't this cool? That's how we learned breath and energy orgasms from uh, my first Tantra teacher, and we were teaching them within a week. So you're telling me that it started out as safe sex methods, basically. Yes, yes. That I was not looking for, you know, enhanced intimacy with a partner. I was not looking to find God in orgasm, although I had suspected that was the case. Back when I was seven, I had seen a glimpse of God in orgasm. So I knew it was possible, and I suppose subconsciously I was trying to get back there. But, um, um, which is a whole other story. But it really was, we were looking for a way to have great, safer sex period. And what we discovered, what I discovered, what I think we all discovered was something so much bigger. So, oh, you just said a lot of things. (laughs) There are a lot of things that you just said that are jumping off points. And um, I can get a little um, ADD, you know, puppy dog. So I don't even, mm, Tantra, okay, just the word Tantra, I mean, a lot of people remember when Sting was doing the talking about the four-hour orgasms or whatever, um, and then talking about energy, and then now you're mentioning God in orgasm, and there are all these uh, what feels like this other plane of existence that I don't necessarily experience, and I don't hear a lot of my colleagues or friends or or emails about ecstatic sexuality and experiences so what is it that you're tapping into what is this that seems like magic that seems like almost like a fairy tale place that i don't know how to get to where is narnia ah! <laughs> it, it you i bet you i'm sure you've had a taste of it it's start with that altered state of consciousness feeling that that uh, remember the last time you had a really, really wonderful orgasm and time ceased. It just it ceased to have any meaning, shape, or size. Time was just not important. Or perhaps you have had those kind of almost out-of-body experiences where it feels like your molecules jump a few feet apart and you're kind of interwoven with everything and your boundaries have gotten all fuzzy and you're just kind of floating somewhere where you are and are not at the same time. I identify with the first description. The second one sounds like something I've never experienced before. Okay, you'll get there. You'll get really? there. Really? Yeah, yeah. One, um, I think the easiest and best place to start is with breath. That's the day I learned that I could have an orgasm just by breathing. A full body orgasm happening everywhere, tingling, lightning shooting out my fingers, orgasm just by breathing. I realized that I had just opened up the door to something a lot bigger than me. Let's go back for two seconds and just touch upon Tantra versus Tantric sex. This is a sex podcast. We're talking about Tantric sex. That is not the same as Tantra, which is a much bigger practice um, going back 800 to 1,000 years, based primarily in India, although there are indigenous tantric-like practices all over the world. Um, 
And when we in America or in the West say Tantra, which is a spiritual practice, which basically says that anything on the earth plane is a potential doorway into the divine. Anything. You can wash the dishes tantrically. You can mow the lawn tantrically. You can walk to work tantrically. Forgive me for having to define everything, but when you say divine, what do you mean? Um, what they meant in a Hindu pantheon might be different from what I mean, might be different from what you mean. Okay. Uh, the divine to me is whatever anyone relates to as what my partner calls the great big good. Well, that's lovely. I exactly. like that. Exactly. It could be that special all-knowing place inside yourself. Even atheists can tend to relate to something that's just bigger than they are, if only the connection between all of us, which physics has proved. So for me, the divine is whatever the divine is for any, When I teach, it's, it's whatever it is for you. What has physics proved? Ph physics has proved we're all connected. That wow. That... I yeah, mean, I'm and I'm not a physicist. Oh, <laughs> I like, is it electromagnetic fields or is it? I just, it's not coming up in my brain as to what the thing is. I feel connected to people, and I'm usually the most sad when I feel disconnected. Right, but I but don't know what physics that physics has have people who are good at physics, which I am not, have proved that in fact there is a connection between all things. So that old saying, when a butterfly flaps its wings in Kyoto, it can cause a hurricane in San Francisco, or whatever that phrase or paraphrase mm -hmm. was is in fact true and i think we're starting to see even with uh, climate change how something that happens in one part of the world so profoundly can influence somebody else mm -hmm. it's playing out all over mm -hmm. so anyway back to breath <sighs> good idea <laughs> let's take one um so much of our life force energy travels on our breath but basically, we breathe. You know what? We just went totally off topic. Hang on. I think because Tantra is a spiritual practice that welcomes sex as a path to the divine, it makes it pretty rare in our culture. So I think it's not surprising that so many people have glommed onto it as, oh my God, it's that religion or spiritual practice about sex. <sighs> well, no, but okay. I've, <laughs> I, I'm tired of talking people out of it. Because we do need a spiritual practice, it's not a religion, by the way, but a spiritual practice that includes sex, where sex is a sacred practice. So I think that's why it has gotten so popular. And people, in fact, do often experience sacred, um, profound moments of transcendence altered state of consciousness practicing tantra that does make them feel like their sexuality and their spirituality are finally connected which for most of us mm -hmm. it wasn't so much when we were growing up so no it's, it's pretty profound for a lot of people no i mean i'm not gonna i mean just i was just thinking the other day walking around new york um just thinking about how sex is like we're all if we choose to be you know, or if, if we feel it, our sexual, and how it, how that should be just part of the the underlying quilt of of philosophy of life, and yet it's not. And then I thought of uh, Catholicism. I was raised Catholic. Me too. Okay, and how the the highest figures, Jesus and Mother Mary, are both virgins, like, like that. And because I was thinking, which, like, by the way. 
it's 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 it seems there's the wonderful book Jesus of Nazareth that is all the rage this summer. Oh. I couldn't recommend it more highly because we had to, what he, what the author tries to do is track the earthly Jesus. Oh. Turns out there were all sorts Jesus had all these brothers and sisters and anyway. Anyway, oh, it ex- so rather explodes the all the, everybody's a virgin myth, but that's another topic. Wait, like uh but she had sex with Joseph and had siblings, gave birth to siblings. Is that what you mean? That's what it, it looks like, yes. Oh, okay. Hmm. Well, I mean... Makes yeah, sense, huh? I mean, after the uterine miracle, I guess she could just do regular people stuff. <gasps> that probably that makes good sense. <laughs> You're right. You're well, right. But to, to just realize that... Because I'm looking around at everyone on the street like, yeah. oh, you, you were made... You, there was a vagina involved for you and you and you. Yeah. I'm just like, you know, just... Vaginas ever, you know, just, I mean, of course, there's a penis, too, and, you know, there's usually some sperm involved. But to think, like, oh, everyone is made from sex, mm-hmm. egg, meat, sperm, but except for those two. Well, Mary, I mean, she was, but, you know, like, it, there was a, ma- there was magic there. <laughs> I don't know. It's, anyway, I guess what I was thinking is that. Permutations of a Catholic girlhood. <laughs> I appreciate that you're talking on a spiritual practice where that is integrated into life. It, it, I'm sure, I know it had a lot to do with healing the horrors of a Catholic childhood for me. And um, because, and also having a spiritual practice that did not require uh, a specific deity. Mm-hmm. In fact, in Tantra, as, as practiced by a lot of people, they refer to their partner as God or goddess. I had a lot of trouble with that. Uh, which is one of the reasons I wrote Urban Tantra for people who who didn't want to go there. Um, I, to this day, frame it for people as saying, you don't have to see your partner as a god or a goddess. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of of, of laughter that goes on with non-Tantra people about, ooh, that god-goddess stuff. Um, You don't have to see them that way, but you might want to imagine that you can see the god or the goddess within them. Because it's just a lovely way of treating your partner with reverence. And reverence is in short supply in the modern world, I think. Sounds kind of hot. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Reverence is kind of hot. So um, my path to Tantra started with breath and energy orgasms on a physical level. And really, if you think about breath, and you think about how you breathe when you're having really, really hot sex, you know, we're not breathing like... <sighs> we're breathing like (laughs) and if you change the way you breathe earlier on in sex you will get high I just got high from those few breaths (laughs) but I'm a cheap breath date at this stage Um, you will see how the role of your breath and of using your breath and breathing more fully and deeply than you usually do is will give you such an expanded experience of orgasm. To me, it, 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 it's like the way we usually breathe is sort of like filling up the area around your g- genitals. Imagine that, that your breath creates energy in your body, which it does, but imagine it as though it were liquid. Imagine that the way we normally breathe and the way we tend to stop breathing right before orgasm or when mm-hmm. we're looking for that orgasm mm-hmm. is like filling up a coffee cup's worth of energy around your genitals. And so the orgasm is usually or frequently up and down because you're riding on a coffee cup's worth of energy. 
However, if you are really paying attention to your breathing and you've been breathing really intensely for 45 minutes or whatever, and then you orgasm, it's as though you filled your whole body like a 30-gallon drum. So the orgasm journey now has 30 gallons worth of fuel instead of a coffee cup. That's the easiest way to look at it. All right. So this whole breath thing. Yeah. Because I will monitor my breath. Um, and although I, you know, the more ecstatic or more, cl uh, the closer I get to orgasm, I don't necessarily notice. Of course you know, not. I'm, of course I'm, not. I'm in, I'm in the moment. Barbara. Exactly. You're supposed to be. That's very <laughs> tantric. Be present. <laughs> Excellent. Um, but definitely, especially if I'm, if I'm struggling, I will start to breathe deeper and try and pull in more air, you know, really Good. oxygenate. I, 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 but in my brain, I'm just thinking oxygenate, oxygenate. Like that's what I'm thinking. But then I know that there's things like fire breath or things where it's almost like a, a hyperventilating mm -hmm. that goes on. Although I get really uncomfortable. Like my body gets like the bu the head buzz tends to get um, uncomfortable for me. But I don't know like which it it's hard. Let's to talk about hyperventilation. Okay. The easiest way to look at it to understand it is there's the good kind and the bad kind. <laughs> the bad kind doesn't feel good. And often it's because you're forcing air in and out kind of with equal f velocity, like <sighs> if you do that for a very long time, it's going to wind up feeling kind of icky. But if you're a bit more relaxed about it and you focus on the inhale, but let the exhale go a bit more gently, <sighs> you can get very, very, very high without the icky feeling. So and people say, well, aren't we just hyperventilating? And I used to go through this long, complicated explanation of hyper versus hypoventilation. And now I just say, well, sort of, but it's the good kind. And people go, oh, okay. <laughs> and then they just go back to breathing and stop thinking, uh, which is good, as you just pointed out, for sex. Uh, too much thought can really get in the way. That's, in fact, getting people to focus on their breath helps turn off their monkey mind. Hated. Oh, my God, I forgot to answer that email. Oh, shit. Did I turn off the fill in the blank? Whatever. The, th the places our minds go when we don't want them to. So focusing a bit more on your breath gives your mind something erotically constructive to do. Okay, just but just just the act of focusing, even if you're brings you into the present moment, helps you connect with your partner, especially if you know you make sort of a commitment, a pact, or an intention to breathe together. Mm -hmm. Just is that, is that yeah. a good thing? To, I mean. I like that idea of breathing together. I haven't done it in a long time with a partner, actually. Breathing and eye gazing. Breathing and eye gazing. You want two quickie tantra tips that work every time? Breathing and eye gazing. So breathing in and out together and eye gazing. Is and it a, a hard, cold stare or is it like no, a soft eye? I, I like the soft eyes. And you can pick one eye. In my the tradition I learned was left eye to left eye, which really meant non-dominant eye to non-dominant eye. But don't get all complicated. Don't get all complicated. I think one of the things that keeps people away from Tantra is they think it's all complicated. And it really is my mission to show people how they already know how to do this stuff. All I'm doing is bringing their awareness to things they already know how to do. Anybody can look into somebody's left eye and breathe with them. This isn't hard. <laughs> this isn't complex. And people who want to do dominance and submission, sensation play, any kind of sex, plain old vanilla wonderful sex, whatever, breathing and eye gazing can make all the difference. It can get you really high and really connected. So... Like, okay, 
what I used to do is without telling my partner, I would copy their breathing. Mm -hmm. So we'd be breathing together, but they wouldn't necessarily know. Right. Is that allowed or should okay. we both be involved in this synchronizing of? I, I, you know, to, I don't have words like, is that allowed? It's like every, <laughs> anything's allowed. Um, anything consensual is allowed, and I don't think copying the way somebody else breathes violates some deep consent problem, you know, <laughs> it's really. Um, actually, it's very wise of you to do that because when you breathe the way somebody else is breathing, it's you drop into your intuitive space. You can more easily feel what's going on for them. You cannot read their mind, but feel what's going on for them if you breathe the way they're breathing. In SM, I often encourage people to essentially order their submissive to breathe a certain way. Literally control somebody by making them breathe the way you're breathing. It's 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 a just it's the there's that's the tantra of SM. Uh, that's pretty hot, actually. It's very hot. It's very hot. That's my kind of breath play. My kind of breath play isn't the stopping the breath play in the neck and all that stuff that people get, you know. No, I mean, you know, I, 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 it's just not what I do. But breath play to me is being really, really conscious of the breath, uh, playing together with the breath, using the breath as part of the play, not stopping the breath. You, um, is it okay if you give me more tips? I can imagine the simplicity of breathe like I breathe so that you're like, so that we match. But what about, I, I would love more tips on how, like if I were a dominant, how to have my sub like play with them. Like breathe faster, no breathe faster. Now hold your breath. Like what, and what would necessarily, would holding their breath. Oh, okay. Good question. What we want to be is conscious about the breath. And one of the things I ask people to do is to stop holding your breath during sex. I, this is Barbara's theory, highly unscientific, but it occurs to me that we pr all learned the quiet and quick rule when we were adolescents and practicing orgasm for the first time. Because what do you have to be quiet so they don't find you masturbating quick so you get your orgasm before they find you? So what? how do we do that? We stop breathing. Okay. So... Just like learning to ride a bike or learning to type on a QWERTY keyboard, once it's in the muscle memory, it's very hard to stop doing something. Mm -hmm. So learning to breathe again before orgasm, all the way into an orgasm, takes some rehabituating for a lot of people. It takes okay. some practice. So then people go, oh, so I must never hold my breath. And that's when the fun starts because it's like, no, if you hold your breath consciously after you have been doing a lot of breathing if you hold your breath and then especially if you clench your abs and your butt and your pelvic floor which is a Taoist technique you can send yourself into another kind of breath orgasm I called it the clench and hold it's got many other names but I called it the clench and hold because it tells people what to do and I love making things easy for people easy Th and accessible thank you yeah thank you. <laughs> You know, calling it something with a long Sanskrit name does no one any good. So clench and hold is exactly the kind of thing that you can do with a partner. You know, okay, breathe. Breathe faster. Uh, breathe fuller. Breathe wider. My mouth just got real big. <laughs> and now hold, 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 hold your breath and clench, 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 clench. Okay, let go. Uh. And if you can, you can play with all sorts of breath and 
energy orgasm states j- just in and in a ds context that's something i mean even even if it weren't in a ds context i've never actually seen anyone give breathing guidance or orders in any type of play um in 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 anybody who's graduated from my professional training program does <laughs> we talk about that a lot what is your professional training program i know you do urban tantra trainings all over the world mm-hmm. i do workshops for everybody you know random everyday ordinary people but i also have a professional training program which is just that it's a training program from anybody who works with sexuality whether that's from sex workers to sex therapists to sex bloggers to sex professionals of any kind yoga teachers who want to add something sensual massage to their whatever we've had we've had artists erotic artists it's just everybody comes together the sex comedy podcasters do it too. There's, there's a um, in England. I'm thinking of my friend Ali, who's a, a performance poet and a sex comedy person, nice. and she's she's wonderful. So yes, everybody, and we look at all the ways to incorporate base, basic and advanced ta- conscious sexuality practices, tantra based conscious sexuality practices, but we. Do erotic, uh, do erotic massage. We talk about how to work with introducing tantra to clients who want to learn it, and we have and a good half the course is on BDSM and tantra combinations and how to use that. Pro doms, a lot of pro doms take the course, and the combination of BDSM and tantra is one of my. F- favorite things favorite things so i teach it and share it whenever i can hmm. so you mentioned now i'm all tempted to be like oh i should take this course i mean i'm tempted like what tantra and tantric sex come from an eastern tradition um i mean i know that there's this uh, concept for slow sex and mm-hmm. orgasmic meditation that i've been mm-hmm. hearing about yeah, at one taste. Yeah, slow sex and tantra have tantra is a fo- is a is a slow sex because it asks you to be present in each individual moment. It asks you to drop your goals and your expectations and just be with what is here now and eagerly looking forward to the next moment perhaps but not anticipating it or trying to force it to go a certain way. S- that necessitates slowing down. So it isn't something that you force yourself to do because it's in the rules, but rather you slow down because it's so much more fun that way. It's so much more delightful that way. And um, many people who play in the BDSM world, many kinky people, have a really close... People who play in any form of sexuality really consciously, really in a really dedicated fashion, who, who are in fact sex nerds of their own particular kind, yeah. wind up creating conscious sex. And that's really what we're talking about here. We can take the sacred out of it to anybody who's getting squidged by that word and just say conscious. Put your attention on your intention. All I really do is teach people to focus on what's going on for them in each present moment. It happens to be 
heavily Tantra-based. But it's also influenced by BDSM, which is another form of conscious sexuality. Because it has to be. Because things are dangerous in BDSM and you could get hurt. So a certain amount of consciousness is built into the practice. That isn't to say that all BDSM is sacred sex. That isn't to say that all people practicing any kind of sex are doing sacred sex. But there's a place at where conscious sexuality crosses over and you know you wound up someplace new, someplace else, someplace special, someplace that is feels kind of life-changing. And those are the moments I'm trying to get people to by any means necessary and possible. Militants. <laughs> um, okay, so there's coming present because that's a whole hurdle in itself just being present at the moment mm -hmm. and eye gazing and breathing with a partner or just I would imagine an inner gaze and a breathing focus mm -hmm. by yourself um, here's another one learning to see learning to understand sex as an energy you allow not an action you perform one of my favorite quotes. <laughs> and it's not that hard to do. It just takes a little practice. And some of the more traditional postures and poses and practices that I included in Urban Tantra were merely to introduce people to being able to see, feel, hear, smell, imagine that energy. And when you can imagine it, however it is you imagine, you can start to feel how real it is and you can start to move it around and you can start to share it with people. And it's one of the reasons that, that there's a lot of overlap between the BDSM and Tantra communities is because whether or not they're, they're aware of it, there's a lot of energy play that goes on there. There's a lot of intu intuition that goes into um, a great BDSM scene as well. Okay. So now we're using the word energy, which... I have a hard time defining what energy is. Like, I feel like, like if I tap my face, like, and it tingles right there, like, it feels more energized. That's right. But I don't necessarily know mm -hmm. when you say energized it, or energy if it's something measurable, you know, because people think of science and, like, where does the energy go or what kind of energy is this that you're speaking of. But, but then I also know, like, like I've tried to visualize the snake at my sacrum and the, and the. Getting too complicated. Let's just, everybody, take. This is like the easy one. This one's called the chi ball. Just rub your hands together really hard. Really hard, really hard, really hard. Let them get really, really hot, really hot, really hot. Okay, now hold them about two inches apart. Two inches apart. Stop rubbing. And feel that place where you can actually feel the energy dancing between your palms. You can perhaps move your hands further apart. <gasps> I just did, and I can still feel the energy. It's, it's sort of stretching or closer together, and you can sort of compress it. That is the simplest exercise to start to understand what energy might feel like. I have other little meditations that, introduce, that encourage people to, like, breathe into a body part, a finger or a toe or something. Oh, I love that one because then your pinky is, like, yeah. totally tingling. Okay, then I'll tell them what it is. It's I ask them to breathe into their your pinky like one of the thing, little fingers on your hand, like it was a third lung. And after they do that, then I say, now breathe a color into it. 
Now imagine there's a bunch of stars, a whole galaxy of stars in there, and they're twinkly. Now imagine that there's um, that the whole galaxy, that there's a sound or a rhythm that it all pulses to. And now keep breathing into your little finger. And then after about, you know, three minutes, I say, so what does your little finger feel like? And it, everybody's little finger feels way different. <laughs> and we have just demonstrated in a, each individual way that energy follows thought. Energy happens where you put your attention. Oh. And I'm, now people are doing, finally, um, thanks to fMRI machines, people like B Barry Komisarek and Nan Wise are putting fMRI machines to use to measure the electrical energy in the brain and the, and the blood flow in the brain during orgasm. And people are using it to measure meditation. I have a feeling that scientists are going to find that orgasm, post-orgasm and meditation areas overlap a lot. Um, we are starting to have the means to measure the energy you're talking about. But for the average person, fake it till you feel it and you will feel it. Oh, I really like that answer. All of it. And I love the pinky trick. It feels like a party uh, party game or something, but it gets playful and it's ridiculous. And yet you're like, whoa, my pinky, oh my God. I mean, that's, it's so fun. Guys, you should totally need to try this. Um, now, speaking of party tricks, I, I hate to just cut straight to the chase on this. Because, of course, I want, I mean, I love your book. I love flipping through it. I love your section on giving and receiving. Um, I, I used to have that page number memorized to tell people like open up that book to that page read that because so many people will struggle with receiving mm -hmm. um, mm. but um, I really just want to be like look Barbara I want to know how to make myself orgasm without touching my body or without playing with my genitals I mean it's silly it's totally dumb I know but by golly that's cool it is cool there's no doubt about the fact that it's cool. And I did write in, in I wrote it down in um, Urban Tantra, how to do it, a couple of different, three different ways to do it. And I'm, just this summer, I had the opportunity to record an online class because people are like, we don't live near you. You never come to our city. What, I, I want to learn how to do that orgasm thing. So, just like you. So, I, um did an online class with Hay House. And if you go to my website, barbaracarellas.com, you'll see the link for it. Because what became an online class for sessions is now an on-demand class. And in that class, I guide you through a breath and energy orgasm. Actually, two kinds, two different days. Class two and class four are um, two different ways of having a breath and energy orgasm. And... It's so easy, especially if somebody guides you through it. And it's it's so not Seriously, it's so it's easy. It's so easy. It's really easy. It just takes a little focus. And just like, what did we just say with Tantra? A little bit of time. I can't, you know, people go, well, give us, you know, three steps to having a breath and energy orgasm. Okay, breathe a little. First of all, believe it's possible. Second, breathe a little fuller or faster than you usually do do it for long enough and it could happen but it does help it does help to have a guided meditation the first time then you can have it on your own follow-up question mm -hmm. 
I mean, it's great to know that you offer that, and that's a yeah. thing that people can go to and just if they really want to study this, because that's great. I mean, I love that now I know have a resource to tell people where to go, you know, if they want to focus on it. Um, but when you say orgasm, because for instance, this uh, wonderful listener came up to the stage at the New York show last night, and yes, that's when I'm like, <laughs> sorry, people can be like, oh, that's when she recorded this, but um, and she asked about how when she's having sex with her partner um, and they use one of those head tingly things oh, yeah, the or if they just play with her scalp, um, it will create an orgasm. And so it's, I, I, I thought, think of it as blended where it's a head play and genital play. But her question was really, what do you think? And I was like, great, good, yay. I mean, are you okay with it? But... If she were to be experiencing orgasm, because I asked her, like, are you having orgasmic contractions like in your genitals? And she's like, oh, yeah. So when you say a, a, an energy orgasm, is are there actual muscular contractions going on when it happens? Actually, it's not a genital orgasm. A breath and energy orgasm tends to feel like it's happening everywhere in your body except your genitals, which is why it can be way fun to learn it and then do it while your genitals are being stimulated because, as, as, as they say, twice as much bang for your buck, so to speak, or for your fuck, I guess, in this case. And it's, it happens in the, it's happening in the same areas of the brain as a genital orgasm, but it, it's starting to show us and prove to us that there are a lot of roads to orgasm. Uh, people with, with spinal cord injuries, who have no feeling or mobility below the neck can have an orgasm by having a square inch near on their neck near their ear stimulated or a paraplegic and this was this was the case with a friend of mine a paraplegic can have their genitals stimulated and feel the orgasm in their nipples whoa yeah it's it's it, it is the nervous system in the human body is more miraculous than we think, mm -hmm. and it, the human body and the human system is capable of things that we don't believe are possible. Um, I t in terms of, of alternative orgasms, one of the ways I get people to understand it is to say, well, um, you remember the last time you laughed really, 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 really hard? so hard that your diaphragm was spasming and you thought you were maybe going to die if you didn't get a breath soon and you long since forgot what you were laughing at you were just hoping you were going to survive this <laughs> and and when you finally stopped laughing just remember that feeling it was like <sighs> <laughs> didn't it feel an awful like a lot like the afterglow of an orgasm touche yeah. touche barbara and you can say the same thing about crygasms, same thing about angergasms. Emotiongasms are a huge part of the orgasmic experience. They, orgasm is the body's natural tension release system. Mm -hmm. So anything that does that can be orgasmic. That laughgasm, the crygasm, when you feel all wonderful and empty afterwards. That's a wonderful way to describe orgasm, the orgasmic system as... As tension release. I like it. It really is. Basic Wilhelm Reich. He was writing about that in, what, the 20s, 30s, until the U.S. government threw him in jail, um, where he died, I believe. So it's just that we need to think of orgasm as a bigger event. And I really am – the breath and energy orgasm is really helpful at helping people have emotion gasms. 
gigogasms, crygasms, and many people are going, I don't know why I'm laughing, I don't know why I'm crying, but it feels fabulous. <laughs> and in regular sex, extreme emotions are sort of poo-pooed and downplayed. It's like if you were to burst into laughter in the middle of having sex with a partner that didn't know you extremely well, it could be a little like, what are you laughing at? Or you burst into tears, oh my God, what did I do? You know. And in fact, Big emotional expression is very much a part of the orgasmic experience, and I think people need to give themselves and their partners permission to go there. Yeah, I remember the last time I had orgasm, I wanted to cry, and I remember feeling some shame. Like, I wanted to hide my face and just sort of lie there and be like, and just on their chest, and I'll just, I'll just be cool, be cool, Sandra, be cool. Yeah. Yeah, play, play yeah. cool. Yeah, exactly. And and I want everybody not to play it cool. And I want it to be like completely socially acceptable not to play it cool. To, in fact, go someplace where you haven't gone before. Finish a sexual encounter feeling like your entire system has been reborn. Because that's where I think, one of the things I think, it's, this I wrote more about this in my book, Ecstasy is Necessary. I think that really great orgasmic ecstatic experiences sort of shatter the ceiling of our limited set of possibilities and open us up to like a bigger possibilities. Do you know the number of people who have revelations after incredible orgasmic experiences or, you know, an entire weekend of, of ecstatic SM or something and they come back and go, whoa, I've just nailed the answer to that problem I was having. Thank you. <laughs> um, or or, or ex experience spontaneous healings of something. It's powerful shit, and we don't take advantage of everything that it can give us, and it makes me crazy. So that's my mission, and that's why I do what I do. I love it, because the difficult thing, I mean, as much as I enjoy a book, to walk into a room and it be a safe space for going through the practice or um, do you have other online courses that people can there will be right now right now orgasms with spirit is the title of one I've got that one's available on demand uh, there'll be more there'll be more coming soon okay. yeah okay that's great um, and so all of this is tantric or tantric sex related <laughs> it's tantra based because that's where I started. That's where it all came from. So all of my work, I, I, um, I'm not going to sit here and, and um, I'm, I'm not good with labels anyway, and say, yes, it's all Tantra. It may well be, and I sort of think it is. But other people may go, oh, no, that's not Tantra. And I, I have so many better things to do than have a philosophical argument about it. So, but everything I do is certainly Tantra-based. Yeah. All right, then. Um, side note. Do you have any opinions? I mean, there seems to be a lot of discourse right now around cultural appropriation. And, I mean, I understand it. And it's annoying if somebody takes your belief or a symbol and is wearing it and they don't understand. But at the same time, it's like sometimes something's just pretty. I don't know where the line is in terms of respect. I, I completely understand that. And I had the same questions and the same queries and the same concerns. Totally. Uh, and when I wrote Urban Tantra, it's why I called it Urban Tantra, and I made it like clear on page one um, that I was crafting a tantric practice 
for a modern audience and a very inclusive audience that we were going to go beyond heterosexual, which the presentation of Tantra when I started in uh, back in the late 80s, mid uh, 90s was very heterosexual, that um, I was making no pretense that this was uh, an ancient Hindu um, word from the guru because it wasn't. It was my interpretation of what I had learned about Tantra. And um, because I, I, I did feel that there was a lot of what I, well, it just it just felt that there was some cultural appropriation going on that I didn't want to be a part of, much as I wanted to honor the tradition that had given birth to what have, had given me so much pleasure that I wanted to share with others. So I think there's a line we can walk uh, of, of respect and acknowledgement uh, because I think we do adapt things for our own time and our own culture, and I think cutting out an entire body of wisdom for fear of offending someone is ridiculous you know i think we all do the best we can to be mindful and respectful but how are we going to learn and grow if we don't take an old idea and mm -hmm. give it a new coat of paint and put some feathers on it or whatever something that we can use um sorry i'm just laughing at the feather reference because I the like <laughs> oh, it's, it's the Native American headdress thing that has been a topic of oh, conversation. Really? Yeah. No, I was thinking of ostrich feathers myself. But <laughs> I love ostrich feathers. They're so soft. I know. They're great massage tools. Very tantric. Very tantric. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in it all sounds fascinating and amazing and kind of like I want to like public transit when I'm driving. That's when I'll kind of, because I'm bored, I'll, I'll kind of start to be like, move the energy. Move the energy in my spine. I feel it in my neck. And I'll just sort of, yes, that's excellent. Everyone should do that. That is a great teaching. You can start with like a PC, a squeeze of your genitals, right? Mm -hmm. And you can take a breath and breathe that. Imagine you can breathe that energy up your spine to the top of your head. And then imagine on the exhale, it falls back down to your genitals and then keep doing it. It's a version of the Taoist microcosmic orbit, but you can turn a public transportation experience into something a whole lot more juicy <laughs> just with that. See, now in my, I think of it like a, a, like a water fountain coming up my spine. And when I've read that and tried it, and it, I get real impotent, and it like right around mid spine, it's like, and I'm like, come on, come on. Fake it, fake it, fake it till you feel it. Fake it, fake it, fake it. I mean it, fake it. Just like the pinky exercise. That was one huge fake it exercise. Fake it, fake it, fake it until, hey, something's happening. Whoa. Same thing. <coughs> right. I, w I will shatter this glass ceiling on my possibilities. I want to see Mount, what, what is it? Yellow, what's the, the Geezer Yellowstone National Park coming out? Oh, Old crown. Faithful. Old Faithful coming out your crown chakra, you know. <laughs> yes. I want to know, I mean, I feel like. Since this is it's been what over twenty years, or maybe getting on thirty years since the AIDS crisis began. The AIDS crisis officially began. <laughs> I love this. According to the New York Times, that's because the day they ran their first item in the summer of '81. That's actually what we all call the benchmark. It's like if it appeared in the New York Times, that's <laughs> the official date. Um, but it's historically said to be the summer of '81. So I mean, so around thirty, 30 years, yeah. and the beginning of it. 
We didn't know it was AIDS for a few years after that. But but that was the first mention of this weird disease that was affecting a small group of gay men. Yeah. Well, I think of a sassy barber running around figuring out Tantra while this is all going on. Around, going on. Um, have you had... I mean, it sounds... Of course, I could assume that all your experiences now are just ridiculously cosmic. But are there any... Are there any particular experiences that really were just blew you away or things that you've witnessed or experienced were yeah i try to set my i try to create i try to find a new edge at least well at least once a year like if i'm writing a book or something i can be so hunkered down but i mean really go out of my comfort zone and really you know and sometimes it's not actually out of my comfort zone. It just kind of, I just kind of go there. Often, like most people, I've had really astounding experiences in, during times of extreme grief or stress, like when everybody around me is dying. And, uh, you know, I remember one. I also am very, very, um, the, being outside or being in, being in nature or being able to go outside afterwards uh, is, is always helpful for me as well. I've had experiences where and it felt like an entire sky opened up and all my dead friends and brothers were like there and talking to me. I see lots of dead people in prolonged <laughs> orgasmic states. I turn into a trans medium in prolonged... I have, I have said to lovers, do you know somebody named Jim with light hair? Who? Yeah, he, he died 25 years ago. Well, he says blah, 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 and it will be something that only they would know. Um, and I don't know what he's talking about. Um, so anyway, that happens a lot to me. Um, and that opened up through prolonged orgasmic states, kind of being able to turn into a trans medium. <laughs> um, I, that, that's one of them. Let's, let's see some others. I haven't seen ghosts yet, so I'm, I'm a baby. Um, like I totally honor anyone's experiences, but I'm just like, Cool. I, yeah. There's lots of ghosts to be seen. <laughs> Another one is uh, I was doing a dance of, uh, at, at Southwest Leather. I was doing their Dance of Souls, which is either a, a, a hook pull or a ball dance, depending on how you want to do it. In either case, the, the flesh is pierced either with, with hooks or, or, or balls or, or bells are sewn into the skin and you dance or, oh. or you pull. And it's it's based on uh, Fakir is uh, really the the father of that modern primitive the father the grandfather of that modern primitivist primitivist movement here in the states. Anyway, um, I in the it was like a five hour dance, and in the toward the end of that, when it was at its absolute most ecstatic, loud, the drummers are going, it's all happening. I went into a place of utter inner peace, utter stillness. It was like th that place that the yogis describe that they try to meditate into. And I stayed there for 45, 50 minutes with all this chaos going on around me. I was aware of what was going on. I was aware of what was going on around me in just in the sense of being held in the middle of it in this perfect place of utter inner peace. So I think finding inner peace and being able to sit in it for 45 minutes is, is, a, is a pretty good payoff <laughs> and pretty astounding. Oh, 
was remarkable. It really was. Have you witnessed people who, you know, like, hello, I am Joe America, and I work at a coal mine, or like just somebody who's just classically not someone who would necessarily tap into any of this, go through any sort of transformations? Oh, it happens all the time. And the first transformation is, I mean, people from college students, people from all walks of life. And the first, the, the most common reaction is, oh, my God, if this is possible, whatever this was, uh, imagine what else is possible that I, I didn't <laughs> realize. And I went, yes, that's the point. That's the point. That's the point. So much else is possible. So that's the, if I had to put all the transformations in, 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 in one uh, you know, reduce it to one essence, that's what it would be. I've seen people who have been diagnosed with brain tumors um, get themselves to states where they stop breathing for a long period of time, and I imagine that they have been visiting the other side, seeing if they want to stay or come back. I've, it, yeah, I saw that, that happened in, uh, I've seen some really unbelievable kinds of things happen when everybody's dancing in this kind of energy. Uh, hitherto unimagined. So, but yeah, I, I, because I started this work during the AIDS crisis and I studied so much stuff around healing that everybody has a focus of their work or there's a reason they do it. And I have to say that healing f has always been a huge component and a huge reason why I go to work in the morning. Um, for somebody else, it might be something else. But healing for me and transcendent moments, those prolonged conversations with the God, God is all that is, <laughs> is kind of what I do it for. Whoa. I just sort of got into storytelling mode where I'm just really on this couch. It's like, well, tell me everything. <laughs> um, no, it's a beautiful thing. And, and for me, I've experienced orgasm as healing as, as that wonderful moment of release mm -hmm. and when there is mourning to be mourned or a bereavement of any sort or a loss of a relationship or or just a pms situation there is something to orgasm as healing um but it's definitely not necessarily what i talk about as because you know, usually with pleasure talks like ooh that feels good that feels good like I want to date someone who have a crush on them like there you know we we stay in the realm of oh this is fun this is um, and there's nothing wrong with being in the realm of what's fun it's just my goal and, and job to tell people to show people that there's something else there's more if they want it. Nobody ha should should walk away from this podcast going, I'm such a failure because I can't do that. I've never felt that. I mean, that's <laughs> so not the point. The point is do what makes you happy. Do what makes you fulfilled. And just know whatever that is. And that can just be a profoundly beautiful connection with your beloved. And just know that whatever it is, there's more you haven't seen yet. That's what keeps me going. There's always something I haven't experienced yet. There's something I haven't seen yet, something I haven't felt yet, and there's something magical that will happen if I go there. Hmm. Do people do Tantra alone? Yes. In fact, in Urban Tantra, I had um, um, 
I was adamant that there would be Tantra for one, Tantra for two, and Tantra for groups. Because um, a, when I was first studying Tantra, I was more often solo than partnered. And a lot of, of my most um, instructive and transformative journeys in Tantra were solo. So, which is wonderful because then you, partners are wonderful, but you have a choice. It's not like I can't have a great ecstatic experience. I can't have a great sexual experience if, I'm if I don't have a partner. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. That, that's part of the whole romantic myth thing. Soulmates and romantic myths of, of what partners are supposed to be to us. In my brain, there's so many things to ask about and to explore. There's one thing I want to ask before we finish up. Okay. And it's, it's the idea. I mean, first I was thinking, gosh, so, because I've heard other people express that um, to fantasize during sex or during masturbation, you should stay present. And that is the point or that's, but, and then my brain moved from that into, um, actually, I totally totally blanked out on what it was so so yeah is so yeah fantasy seems fit in the whole scheme of things is your fantasy supporting whatever's going on is it is it taking you someplace yummy you want to go or is it taking you out of the present there are fantasies i could if you and i were making love right now i might fantasize that uh old faithful coming out the top of your head and watching it bathe you in all sorts of pink sparkles, whatever. But because fan using my imagination in that way can support energy moving through your body in a way that you want to experience it because you've just shared that with me. So that might be, um, or maybe partners uh, get turned on if, they in if they're making love with their partner and they imagine that there's somebody else in the room that is joining in and bringing them both pleasure. Well, that could be very hot and that could be very, keep, that could really work for keeping them more focused on what they're doing. It's when people are fantasizing about something that is way outside the room, <laughs> that is completely elsewhere. They're having sex with an imaginary something happening in another country. That's, that's a great distinction because um, I find that I will fantasize it and I think of it as almost like layering a transparency over what you're doing and coloring on it. That's lovely. Yeah. I love that. That's brilliantly said. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, but And because power dynamics um, and roles are something that are really hot for me. And so we're the exact same people. But you're my boss and there's a desk, you know, yes, or. Yes, 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 that's hot. That's okay. I'm still, I can yes, still be tantric. Yes, 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 absolutely. Because it's keeping you in the present moment and amping up the energy. What is it about that? Oh, my God. There is something about adding that layer of fantasy that brings, I find in my own brain, brings me more present and more aware of my body. You just gave your mind something erotically constructive to do. Remember we talked about that? It's so that you're not worried about the email and you're not off somewhere. You know, you are giving your mind something erotically constructed to do that helps build up the energy. And you know what it really is? Everything that we do, whether it's role play, whether it's the fantasy, whether it's the breathing, whatever it is, 
we will get to a point where we stop doing it because the energy is moving along on its own and we don't need it anymore. We're just in the groove. We're in the experience. We're on the magic carpet. We're riding the wave, whatever your image is. You can stop doing it and it starts doing you. All the rest are just tricks and techniques to get us to that magic carpet, to get us on that surfboard, on the wave, whatever your image is. You see? And so if it gets you there... If it's consensual, if it keeps you more focused in the present erotic moment you're in, it's all good. What we want to stop doing is creating, is doing anything that takes us out of that present moment. Holding our breath takes us out of that present moment. A fantasy about somebody who's not in the room as opposed to being with the person you're with takes us out of the present moment. Or something that takes us out of our body, worrying about the email you didn't write or whatever. Bing, we're out of the room. Those are the things we want to avoid. I love it. I love it because you've answered questions that have been on my mind. I mean, there's so many questions, but it's just like, I love that we've had a moment to discuss that. And also tells me of a place to go because I would like to be able to access that body, um, creating that, I hate to say energy, but like I feel more alive sexually when there's some sort of uh, fantasy transparency uh but how can i be able to peel that away and let the energy move me um but that's just like a cool thing to meditate on for me like exactly. something to think on because you you're now you you just looked at something just you've reframed something just slightly differently mm-hmm. you'll you'll stumble across that answer probably by tonight because that's what happens. <laughs> because you put your intention behind it. Um, Barbara, I've had a wonderful time chatting with you. Where can everyone find you online and your classes and all of it? It's all at barbaracarellas.com. That's Corellas, C-A-R-R-E-L-L-A-S, two R's, two L's. And uh, you'll see my workshops, including there's also a new site, Urban Tantra Professional Training Program.com, but you can also get to it from barbacorellis.com. And I'm going to be in Europe and in California this fall. I'll be in Sweden in October, the last half of October, followed by the United Kingdom. Everybody there, please come to the Mind Body Spirit Festival in Brighton. I adore Brighton, and I am going to teach breath and energy orgasms in a glass walled room on Brighton Beach. How can you not be there? Mind, Body, Spirit Festival. It's on my calendar. Be there or be square people in the UK. And and, and you naughty monkeys in the I know you're there. I know you're there. Seriously, like, to miss out on Barbara being in your neighborhood, you really need to get over to Brighton because it's awesome. And uh, so there's Swedish workshops you can sign up for if you're in Sweden or in Scandinavia. And then I'll be at the I Can Do It conference in Pasadena in uh i think it's the yeah the 8th through the 10th of november and we'll be talking about sex plus spirit equals ecstasy i'd love to see you while you're in town that'd be great definitely definitely come on over come on over all right thank you and as we say on the podcast go team fun go team fun Now leaving Nerdist.com.